0: My number one rule would be to know yourself and really understand the impact that the way in which you interact has on others, what impact does that have, whether it's how you communicate, how you lead, how you motivate and manage people.
1: Hello and a warm welcome to the NLN Podcast. The NLN is the Nordic Leadership Network. We're a team of seven leaders, coaches, facilitators and speakers. We help develop the leaders of today and tomorrow. We challenge teams to achieve high performance. We help companies to implement strategy and get stuff done so they can flourish and grow.
2: Welcome to our podcast this morning. I'm David Goddard, President of the Nordic Leadership Network, and very happy to welcome Michael Gates to join us today. Michael is the Vice Chairman of Rich News Communications and Associate Fellow at Saïd Business School, University of Oxford, and our go-to expert on all things cross-cultural and remote teams. Welcome Michael and how are you doing today? Morning to you David, how are you? I'm very well thank you Michael, great to have you with us and who else do we have on the line today?
1: Nick Vertigans, great to be here. Michael it's lovely to see you again, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me.
2: So Michael, your Cross-cultural expertise and experience is the centre of our podcast today and we're going to be exploring how remote teams and cross-cultural factors intersect and it's a topic that we've touched on throughout this series and it's really great to be able to dive into that today in a bit more detail. So first up, we'd like to ask you how do different cultures cope with remote working?
0: Well, I think one of the first things to say is that Culture tends to be brought out more strongly in a crisis, it's a psychological fact which has been proven through various experiments, you put people in a a new and different situation and they tend to revert quite often to um, some typical cultural behaviour.
2: Yeah, I remember some research by Mitch Hammer, I think, was on that topic, if you've ever come across that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a, another colleague of mine from um, former days, Daphne Oyserman, who's an American-Israeli professor, has written quite a lot on cultural psychology and done a lot of experiments on this uh, fact of crises and stress bringing out cultural characteristics more, more powerfully. But I think one of the challenges is that there's so many different cultures in the world and so models help us to categorize cultures and understand the behavior in a way which can act like a sort of ladder to take us to a new perspective of course once we start interacting with people at an individual level we can kick that ladder or that model away but the model that i use which you well know of is um, a model which divides cultures into what we call linear cultures who are rather cool factual decisive planners Multi-active cultures, who tend to be rather warm, emotional, loquacious, sort of talkative and impulsive, and then reactive cultures, and they tend to be quite courteous, um, amiable, accommodating compromises. And you could say that linear cultures would cover a lot of Northern Europe, North America, multi typically Latin mm. cultures, um, South America. and um, Then uh, the reactive cultures tend to be East Asian. So if I make that distinction to begin with and look a little bit at how those different cultures are responding and what sort of challenges they particularly have, I think one thing to say is that the virtual world is quite linear in the sense that it has a certain structure, Mm -hmm. it's remote, it's harder to engage with people at a personal level remotely. So it's quite a linear world. So in some ways, I think linears are responding quite well to this. So you think of linear fins, being at home, being self-isolated, dealing with facts, and having quite structured meetings is something that they respond well to. But it's very easy for linears to miss some of the emotional content and some of the relational stuff that could be going on. Uh, multiactives actives well, they certainly miss the emotional, personal contacts, uh, the body language, which even if you're on video is not quite as clear, maybe. And to be able to get up and close and personal with with people uh, in meetings, virtual meetings, virtual team meetings, they could tend to dominate a little bit, and if they're in control, they can really dominate because they can mute you and uh, go off on a long monologue. Uh, for, for reactives, it's maybe more about the the sort of um, detachment from the situation, not engaging, finding it difficult to interrupt and put themselves forward, and. Possibly drifting more to the edge of meetings than they would even in a, in a live situation. It makes it it accentuates it when it's virtual.
2: Thank you, Michael. So first of all, you said that when we're under stress, we revert to type. Um, yeah. So, so agree, it's, yeah. yeah. So we have a good kind of microscope at the moment then to mm. uh, have a look at cultural differences. Um, how about you, Nick? What what have you been your experience in these times? Are, are you noticing some cultural characteristics coming out more strongly.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting what Michael said about um, the virtual world right now is maybe maybe on paper it serves the linear active cultural type the best in terms of um, having structured, disciplined conversations and meetings and, and having routine in your day. Social media is telling us to, to think about your routine. Wake up, do your meditation, go for a jog, do some charity work, buy something off Amazon, step into your first meeting. So that's really that's really interesting. And I'm I'm sensing and noticing coaching coaching people online that maybe those um, maybe the E type people, those extrovert types, maybe they're having a bit of a bit of a, a tough time right now because they are you know really strongly focused on connections and and people and emotions. Um, which is how Michael describes you know, the, um, the multi-active cultures, for example. So maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a, a demographic that are having more challenge with this period right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the linear world is, and the virtual world is quite a transactional one, not as relational. However, it's been interesting hearing some real war stories about how things could be modifying and changing. For example, I was talking to an Aussie friend of mine the other day and she has had real challenges working in Italy. In fact, I was coaching her for a while on dealing with Italians. And she said it's marvellous. Now that they're working virtually, she said it's almost like there's been a reversal and suddenly the Italians are being punctual, they're more structured, and it's as if the linearity of the medium has forced some change on them. And interestingly, one of the things I've often said is that over the past 50 years, being linear has been a good way to succeed in business, but the, the, the scope of competitive edge has been moving gradually towards being able to deal with people and relationships more. Mm-hmm. But perhaps this is a swing of the pendulum the other way, emphasizing the linear again. However, as we become zoomed out, as we become <laughs> tired of the medium, and it, it is more tiring working remotely, I would say, those relational things and personality issues are going to come to the fore as being more important again. So I think the pendulum's swinging. Perhaps we're all trying to move to some sort of middle ground if we think about structuring behaviour according
1: mm. to the model. One of the things that I've always listened and, and tried to learn from you over the last uh, few years is that being, being kind of adept at, at cross-cultural communication, at tuning into others is all about increasing your own self-awareness and your own flexibility.
0: Absolutely and I, I think if you think about the dynamics of multicultural teams whether live or remote and I do think to some degree remoteness accentuates the, um, the, the challenges then um, my number one rule would, would be to know yourself and really understand the impact that the way in which you interact has on others? What impact does that have? Whether it's how you communicate, how you lead, how you motivate and manage people. Mm -hmm. The second sort of lesson would be how you bridge those gaps. And then the third one is, could we integrate these styles? And perhaps what we're seeing is actually quite an opportunity for integration and that moving towards that center ground where we all need to learn
2: from each other. So you you go through some phases there of first of all self-awareness and then learning something about uh, closing that gap and then finally some integration, finding the middle ground. Do you think that that's actually what is going on at the moment? You you were saying that, you know, talk about the pendulum swinging and so forth. I can see it both ways. I can see that to begin with maybe linear active people were advantaged. Under lockdown, because they're used to working in this <laughs> more distant and transactional way, but over time, I think that we see that people also revert to time to, to type over time. So the multi-actives find a way to That's dominate right. also the social space. So um, how do you see that? Um, question then with the linear active multi-active reactive types how, how are they reacting to also is you know we're under lockdown now 24-7 so how are they handling the social interaction that teams need?
0: Well I think one really important thing to make remote teams work is to have quite a focus on building a sense of community and a lot of advice on remote meetings is about the practicalities but that sense of community is really important, both for people within the team and for leaders. And I think one really important way of improving that is to make some time for non-work-related communication. And My daughter, one of my daughters, lives in the UK. She works for a British company, but they have about 80 nationalities working in her building. And uh, all her meetings are now virtual. So when these go, these go in the office and see each other at the water cooler, et cetera, now it's all the virtual. And one of the things that she's actually been tasked with doing is organizing weekly quizzes. And quite instinctively, the, uh, the quizzes that she's been organizing have been very much about how well do you know your colleague? It's sort of like uh, that British television program, Mr. and Mrs., but with your colleague. That's and that's you that's have that's to answer questions as you think your colleagues would answer them. And this yeah. has been a great way to get to know each other better. Another example, one of my clients is the software uh, for project management company Trello. And they produce these wonderfully uh, graphic and uh, interesting ways of managing projects which are not just about Excel sheet. And all their business for years has been virtual. And one mm. of the things they told me is that well, f- first thing was when I did my first uh, training session with them, I said, oh, I- I'm going to be in New York where the head office is. I'll, I'll come along. And they- this is about four or five years ago. They said, you mean actually come into the office? <laughs> <laughs> novel did, did they have an office? <laughs> well, they did, but uh, the- no one actually meant that. Really. Uh, and um, so they said, what we do is that once a week for 15 minutes, everyone has to have a virtual coffee break. With someone in the organization that they've had very little interaction with and the one rule is you don't talk about work you just try to get to know each other better so building that sense of community is really important particularly when you talk about different cultures and you could end up finding things in common with people who are very different culturally Mm -hmm. so you you know you could be a hard bitten new yorker and then you talk to your chinese colleague and find out that they've got kids the same age and um, talk about the challenges of their education and uh, all sorts of things which bring you together, which you wouldn't have found out if you made it purely a transactional interaction and purely
2: work-related. Well, I love that example from your daughter of how well do you know your colleagues' quiz. That sounds great fun and that could be tried out quite soon. So I hear that you're talking, Mike, you're talking quite a bit about community, building communities, and this is a theme that's come up a few times during our pods. What, uh, Nick, are you seeing is happening around community?
1: One thing about community is this has been a, a hot topic and teams have almost forced these daily interactions into their, into their schedules. You know, coffee breaks and so forth and building of community, I think, has worked really well. And I'm just wondering, now that we're, now that we're six, seven, eight weeks into this um, lockdown phase, um, what else... Should leaders be conscious of when leading, managing cross-cultural teams?
0: Well, I think one of the key things to begin with is um, it's very easy for leaders to tend to jump in and communicate when there's bad news. Um, you know, it's easy to do that. But you've got to be very careful of doing that because people, I would say, from any culture and some, from some cultures more than others, tend to be more sensitive at a distance. And so rather than plunging in with problems and bad news, I think one has to be extremely careful to keep motivation up and um, and a sense of what I'd call psychological safety. I think you were well aware of the, the term. And certainly Google did some research a few years ago called Project Aristotle, and they discovered that psychological safety was one of the key factors in making a team successful that people feel free to discuss mistakes without the fear of being shot down and it's easy when you're trying to communicate briefly and get a message across quickly in a remote situation to to talk about the um, the, the bad news I think they need to consider their own leadership style you know are you more top down and autocratic and monitoring or mm. are you personally or culturally more of a micromanager, and to develop a a situational style of remote leadership which accounts for different needs and different people who like to be led in different ways. Mm. So if you're a micromanager, for some cultures that's really going to get their backs up, and Mm. other cultures may want you to keep monitoring. So try and be situational even uh, within the um, team. I think a, another question that a leader needs to consider is how often do we meet? You know, do we have to meet every mm. week or every few days? And yes. the, the wisdom is often the more communication, the better. But I'm not sure that's always true. And Harvard recently did some research published in the Harvard Business Review saying that the successful remote teams were one who communicated in, in bursts. So mm. they would um, meet quite briefly. Don't necessarily go along with the Zoom default of an hour meeting. Think first, do we really need an hour? Could we solve this in 15 minutes? Mm. And mm. You know, use that function as well to limit meetings. Then we all go, we have a strong burst of communication and allow people to go work independently and then come back again. I think the other thing culturally is that for those cultures who find it hard to contribute in a live meeting, a synchronous meeting, that let's go and consider this uh, go away for a few hours or a few days and then come back with your opinion. And then that gives mm. the cultures who are maybe more, what I'd call reactive, the chance to formulate a reply that they're all happy with and yes, that
2: yes. to deliver. So what I'm hearing there, Michael, is that you need to get the rhythm of communication right. And it's, the, you know, what what's the rhythm of our social interaction? What's the rhythm of our team meetings? What's the rhythm of when we need to work synchronously and asynchronously. Absolutely,
0: and I think also within the meeting, managing different communication styles is important, and I think you need a culturally sensitive leader. If the leader's not there, someone in the team who takes on the role of managing that communication, and it's very simple in in some ways, basically stopping Mm. people who are talking too much. Or doing the opposite with people who aren't going to contribute as easily and and bring them out, stop the others and allow them space.
1: Yeah, lovely. I love the idea of bursts, these communication bursts, Mm. and uh, for the leader to to actually engage the team and ask the team, you know, what's the best way for us to communicate and agree on on stuff? What's the best way for us to discuss, you know, strategy or or bonus targets or whatever's on the table at that that point? Yeah, and
0: I think asking the team, things, not only about uh, facts and transactional issues, but also, you know, what's the emotional temperature? How are we all feeling about this? You know, use some of the reaction Mm -hmm. buttons. Um, Let's just take a a check on how how we're feeling. Are we okay? Are we feeling burned out? Are we happy with the pace? Yes. And discuss some of those process-related issues Mm -hmm. and emotional issues, not just the, the transactional stuff.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great tip, Michael. Thank you. Uh, so um, that's, that's a really good thought that the remote teams, especially in the current circumstances, need to have more process discussion and about how they're doing things. Mm. Mm. So we, we have a, a, a moment left. Um, here's a bonus question for you, Michael. Mm. So what have you changed in your own leadership style over the last few weeks?
0: Well, I think one of the things that I've noticed is that when all this started out, The first few meetings that we had on Zoom internally were um, very much work-related and very much related to the actual process of remote communication. So we ran something which I very much dominated on uh, how to run remote training, uh, because I have been doing remote training for quite a while. And it was fine, but then I thought, well, why don't we just next time have no agenda? because we've got people out there, we've got people out in companies, uh, uh, well actually (laughs) not in companies at the moment, (laughs) working from home rather, and uh, how are we all feeling? And it was great, we got to know each other better than normal, because as you know we have an office here in West End and normally our staff are out at companies working there, now they're at home, but they very rarely came into the office, they didn't need to, because most of our training took place outside the office but then to be able to get everyone together on a zoom call see the little videos see what's in the background what's on their bookshelves etc was uh, was extremely useful and to just ask people how are you feeling and so I think um, that has Mm -hmm. been a change my own perception that we don't always have to plunge straight into work building those relationships is actually important and I think we've got to know each other better during this time of Self isolation than when we were actually theoretically in the same office. They're not on a practical level.
1: That's great. And when we think about, you know, starting with the relationship for a change rather than diving into the task, I guess that's maybe one of the key differences between linear active cultures and, and multi-actives. So, Michael, maybe just another question on that. It's really interesting listening to you. What what has that given you as an organisation?
0: Well, I think it's given us a, a more common sense of purpose. And the feeling that we're all in the same boat and that we're all having challenges. Mm. And I think um, another aspect of the leadership, I would say, and it's not my own term, it's been talked about quite a lot over recent years, is a sense of vulnerability. Mm. And the fact that we're all vulnerable at the moment. Mm. Uh, if a leader can show that they're vulnerable as well and be transparent about the difficulties and the problems, mm-hmm. then that is a way of uniting people.
1: Indeed, indeed. And we've been told about this for a decade or two, haven't we? People like Patrick Lenzioni telling us to build trust by being vulnerable. And of course, we, we've been reading the theory and we've been trying, but maybe it's at this point during this, this particular COVID-19 phase that we're actually starting to be and, and show vulnerability. Absolutely. So, wonderful. David, Michael, I could could keep going for another hour, but (laughs) I guess guess we've all got stuff to do. Huge thank yous, Michael, for joining today.
0: You're welcome. It's been a real pleasure.
2: Hey, listener. It's Stefano here. Since you got until here, we think that you might like the podcast. It would mean so much if you could leave us a five-star review and share this with... As many of your friends as possible.
0: This will help us be discovered and spread the news. Can you just take five minutes and do that for us? Thank you.